You're listening to the best of the Tom Bernard Show.com, brought to you by Bradshaw and Bryant. Who, me? <laughs> so I'd like to know if I was married to a whore piece of shit. <laughs> you could just look at her license. My. Special stripe. That was amazing. Oh my gosh. Coming by sweet corn, potatoes, onions, pickles. It's not how you use them, sir. <laughs> it's really sickening that anybody would be into radio this much. It is ungoddamn believable. I think I'm going to hell. I just realized it. Thank you, Tom. You're just delicious. <laughs> We're here today with Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant. Michael, what's going on? You know, we keep getting phone calls, and it's interesting because people try to handle a lot of stuff on their own, or they try to talk to the adjusters, or they wait, um, and they think maybe it'll cost them money if they talk to me. And, you know, we tell them it's free to talk to us. Um, I go through what their rights are, and you know we try to help them as best we can. We don't sign everyone up. Sometimes I just give them advice, and they go from there, and then call us back later. But the key is, is that they don't know all their rights, or they're not told all their rights by the adjuster. And that's one of the things we try to make sure that they get, you know, they get that understanding, uh, so they can help themselves and their families the best they can. And the number is is eight hundred seven seven zero seven zero zero eight. Or at the website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com. Brad, Sean, Bryant, Michael Bryant, thank you. Seeking justice for the injured. Brad, Sean, Bryant. everybody to yet another episode of the best of the tom bernard podcast brought to you as always by brad sean bryant kicking off the show this week we had comedian adam hunter in studio talking a little old time comedy and bringing that patented adam hunter humor next on the best of Why are you playing this? I love this song. Oh. I love this song. Kind of in a rock mood today. Kind of metallic later. I'm wearing the Hendrix shirt. Jimmy, the best of all time. Yes. Um, we were talking about how uh, some people have no sense of humor and you can't make fun of anything and only you can only do this, you can only do that, blah, blah, blah. Uh, of course, some people who've never thought uh, a funny thought in their lives don't know how to do comedy. Oh, so yeah. And one of the examples, you were talking about, you know, Blazing Saddles or going after Mel Brooks because it's racist, which it's not because Richard Pryor rewrote the entire damn movie. <laughs> and they cut the best line out of the movie anyway. Did you ever hear about this? No. When uh, Lily Von Stupp is with Cle- uh, Cleavon Little uh, and it's all dark, they turn the lights out. <laughs> and she goes, is it true what they say about you people? And they hear the zipper go down. And then she goes, oh, it's twoo, it's twoo. And Cleavon Little goes, ma'am, you're sucking on my pistol. <laughs> but they cut it out of the movie. It's really? a great that's joke, a, right? It's a great joke. So what you're talking about with Blazing Saddles, I think you're right. There's no way they'll, they'll release that movie nowadays, even though Richard Pryor co I mean, not only co-wrote it, he kind of rewrote it after Mel Brooks brought him in. Mm-hmm. But uh, you brought him up, you brought Boys to Men up earlier. Yeah, and Joan Rivers, who I adored, I used to talk to her at least once a month. She'd come on the show. She just, I loved her. Right, her act would not go over today. There's no way, 
because she came <laughs> she came out on stage one time when Boys to Men, you know, was pretty hot. She comes comes out on stage and says, "You know, there's this thing that's kind of it's kind of upsetting. It really is to me because uh, you know I was talking to Michael Jackson." And he thinks boys to men is a delivery service. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh my god! Yeah, she was so funny. She was unbelievable. But there's no way she could tell that joke. She she got in trouble. I remember for like I remember <laughs> like when the, those kids that were kidnapped in Ohio, and she went on like The View, and she was like, oh, yeah. "What are they complaining about? They had free rent." Like it just, <laughs> it's I mean, funny. She's so funny, and that's the thing that now all of a sudden people appoint themselves like. There's rules to comedy. They go, well, you can't punch down. Like, what does that mean? Yeah, well, yeah, if you're down. a straight white male, you can't make fun of black people or gay people or anybody that was ever oppressed. And you're like, first of all... Yeah, it's like, who decides who's down and who's up is yeah. the problem. Yeah, and why are you speaking for all people? No one yeah. no one appointed you. Well, the, like, it's that, that whole thing of every time something happened in a black community, Al Sharpton was the spokesperson. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. How the heck has he become the spokesperson for every black person in this country? Yeah, it's, of course. And I wouldn't have him speak for me to, you know, to save my life. Uh, yeah, it's just it's ridiculous. And the fact that you're saying, right, like you said, like all of a sudden, oh well, there, no, no one appointed you, and, and, and there are no rules to this stuff. And it's just, it's just be funny. That's the only rule is to be funny. Right. It's almost like, uh, like I was in Saudi Arabia, where you know women couldn't drive. And they're covered head to toe, and you. And when you walk around, you have to be really careful that you don't offend anybody. The the uh, Quran, and they have the religious yep. police walking around right, right. to make sure that you don't offend people or say any kind of hate speech. And it's like, is this where we're heading towards? Mm-hmm. Where yeah, like, if is. you, say, I mean, is this what what we want? We want to take our freedoms away. It's like freedom of speech is our most fundamental right, and people are like, oh well, we don't want to get upset. We don't want to hear the truth. We we would just rather you know not be yeah. offended and laugh. And it, it's crazy. Well, that's that all goes in line with not teaching history, whitewashing history. Why did it have to be whitewashed? I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> See, I'm going after. Oh, I'm punching up. <laughs> but I mean, all all of that stuff um, on uh, comics. And cars getting coffee. Uh, Steve Harvey was on there with um, Jerry I they Seinfeld. Had comedians on. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much. Great to be here again. He um, he said to Jerry, "You got to remember one thing, Jerry. When something bad happens, we already have the jokes. Yeah, yeah. We just can't tell them right now. Well, there is that. It's absolutely true. And you know." I don't know that I've ever heard Steve Harvey tell a joke. He, he was funny back in the day when he well, was right. when he was Original King, Kings, Kings of Comedy. Comedy. Yeah. Right. Back he when was, he had to try and not just like rake in five million dollars for showing up on TV for two minutes. He had a bit about Ray Carruth. Oh, he did. Oh, it was it's hilarious. Oh, really? Yeah, he talks about how because you know they found Ray Carruth in a car trunk. Right. Right. And he said if he was one of the cops, he said once they pulled the car over, he goes, "You better not be in there, Ray." Ray, you better not be in there. Come on, Ray, Ray. Please tell me you're not Ray, in the truck. Hey, Ray, Ray. <laughs> but yeah. yeah. Yeah, even like when he used to host the Apollo, he was pretty funny. Right. You know, if someone was like really bad, he would just kind of clown him. Yeah. And, and then something, I don't know what happened. I feel like he's like a, a clone. They, 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 like, <laughs> yeah, they got the real guy. They took away the away. real Steve Harvey. Well, they, and exactly. Him. They did the, it's, uh, it's on Netflix. They did 25 year introspective of. Um, Oh man, the black um, King's comedy? No, uh, Red Fox. Oh, Def Jam. Def Jam. Oh, yeah. Thank Def you. Jam. And um, 
he was talking about things and and they were all swearing and whatnot. He stood there and he went, "I'm not swearing. I got too many shows to be swearing." Oh uh, yeah, yeah. That yeah. Is, well, there, there is, is that. He was, yeah. he was making fun of himself, but he right. you know, but he was letting them know that he wasn't going to swear because the more contracts you sign, the less you can do. And he's right. got a lot of contracts going. Look that at Bob Saget. I mean, he was he's like the dirtiest comic yeah. I've ever <laughs> seen. That's time. really interesting, is because today if he was you know like. America's uncle, and then also went on stage and said the things he used to say, he would be fired from his job in no time. Yeah, but back true. then, people didn't, they either didn't make the connection or they just didn't care. Well, cameras, cameras are like killing comedy, cameras right. and recording. They are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. everyone's yeah. got a cell phone now and they can record everything. Yeah. I just, I was trying to think while you guys were talking if any joke somebody told was offensive to me, and I don't, I can't think of one ex- example. That I'd be offended by a joke. No, well, I mean, like, I can see being offended, but I could, I wouldn't say like, okay, it's time to destroy your career. No, right. I would just, just be like, like, you know, it's not funny to me. I yeah. never even, but like, even when I get terrible service, I don't, I never like. I give every Uber driver five stars. Yeah. I give oh, every yeah. delivery person five stars. I, it doesn't matter to me. Even if it was the worst Uber ride of my life, I would give right. them five stars. I just don't. I know how hard it is to like have those jobs. Those yeah. kind of, and like whatever. It doesn't oh, matter. Yeah. It does not. What is it going to do? Like, like these Yelp reviews. The problem with Yelp oh, is God, like yeah, people swarm to Yelp and yeah. get, bomb them with one star, even though they've never been there. It's and like, nobody has ever like write a positive Yelp review because people have yeah, have lives. Yeah. No, but I never like saw something good. I gotta write a good Yelp review about this. Unless someone asked me to write a Yelp review about this stupid thing, and I'm like, oh, all right, I'll write a good. And then I, then I, I obnoxiously write it. Oh, this is the greatest thing ever. It was good but, until people realized that they could use it as a weapon. Yeah, that's true. which is basically the same thing for anything. Once something's weaponized, social media has been weaponized, and it's basically unusable now. Yeah, it really is. It it, it truly is. We should get rid of it. So I see now that uh, other laptops are exploding in people's faces too. I think digital is the laptops. most overrated. Gu- yeah, laptops. Why is there the laptop battery in their face. The battery's blowing up there. Yeah. Wow. Batteries. What what laptop? Um, That'd be cool if you could put a virus. I think Apple, if, I think, is recalling. The, recalling. I, I would like send people explosive. Like if, if I knew no, I a bad review. Here, I mean, you should. This, this is I'm yours. Constantly now. be like emailing them like exploding. <laughs> that would be great. Somebody invent that, please. So. Yeah, I, it's. Uh, you actually used to be able to do that with printers back in like the seventies. You could really, give them to somebody? You, could, you could make them set on fire. Wow. Yeah, that'd be amazing. You could what make make what set on fire? Printers, because oh, they were. Oh, I suppose. Yeah, that's true. They had to print really fast, but the technology wasn't quite there yet. So mm-hmm. they used like a red hot like filament to do it, Ooh, and you know, plus paper. Not a good thing. Did you find the Apple thing? Uh, yeah, the MacBook Pro. Yeah, that's what it is, MacBook Pro. Adds to its laptop problem, so apparently the new uh, yes. MacBook Pro is not doing so hot. Well, other than the fact it blows up in your face. You know, <laughs> yeah. Other than that, I said, well, what were those Batteries things Batteries could catch fire. Yes, exactly. So I guess those oh. are probably not allowed on planes? I would guess that would be a good idea. This is for idea. its 2015 MacBook Pro. Oh, it's all, are you going back a few years? No, I mean, they just recalled it. Four years later. later. Oh, well, I, I like when every time the, the new iPhone updates, mine stops working. Yep. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. been the running joke with Apple for like, what, oh, a decade? Yeah, I, they're, they're trying to get you to move to the next one, and then everybody complains, and then they finally yep. send out the updates. It's unbelievable. Right. To take care of those, your old phone. I mean, imagine like your car did that all of a sudden. I know. Like, the new car all of a sudden just starts crashing. I mean, It'll that, happen. You think so? It's, it's coming, yeah. The way... 
cars have so much computer like they have miles and miles of wiring they've got dedicated computer systems for everything your brakes have a computer your windows have a computer all it takes is one of those computers to mess up somehow and your car's not going to work wow yeah other than that, though, should have Doug talk well. about it. Yeah, he's uh, yeah, car selling secrets. That'd be good. Have <laughs> yeah. Doug talking about it. That's, yeah, that'd be. That'd I be feel like you're the guy that like every villain movie that they call. <laughs> who's like behind the computer? The computer, yeah. the computer guy. Yeah, the computer guy that like somehow at the very end, like Van Damme or someone comes in and beats you up or something. <laughs> Van Damme. Yeah. <laughs> well, Clark. the password for this computer is knockers. Uh, so. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, is yeah. It, who's who's this? Your daughter? No. No. Oh. Oh, who's this? I'm just someone. Well, <laughs> I don't know. I came in and she was here. <laughs> yeah. I just imposed myself. No, I was a. I've been a listener of Tom's for many years, and then I had the opportunity to work for him. Oh, nice. Yeah. No, no her husband and I have become really good friends. Yeah. Huh. Nice guy. He he does. What does he do? Fifteen thousand TV yeah. shows. My God, he's constantly on radio he's, or television. Yeah, she's married have... to Steve Harvey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There you go. No, my my husband um, hosts. Uh, a couple of radio shows, but he's also um, his TV show is going to be coming out this fall. We can't talk about it yet. In everywhere or just Minnesota? Well, he, he's got a podcast. Well, he's, he's got a podcast, a radio show, and another podcast. And uh, another TV show is going to be on a, on a network. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yep. So nice. Uh, yeah. I, I, everyone, my, I went to a doctor the other day. I went to a, I got a shot, and he's like, "I have a podcast." I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds I'm about not, right. I'm not kidding. I'm I like, why does my doctor have a podcast? <laughs> I know it's phenomenal. Well, my husband. It's uh, like Dave... pulling teeth. Yeah. <laughs> Dave Sherry, he started on terrestrial radio, and then he moved over to podcasts. He had a radio show here in the Twin Cities, and then it's moved over, and then he also does a digital radio show. Wow. Right. And uh, yeah. Yeah, there was a homeless guy outside. He's like, "Hey, do my podcast." <laughs> <laughs> Everybody has a podcast now. Everybody does. Yeah, well, well, she was listening to my show. I listened to her husband's show at night. Um, So I was like a fan of his show. She was a fan of my show, and it just kind of worked out. I've been listening to Tom since I was in eighth grade. Oh, wow. That was three years ago. Yes, I know. You look very young. Yeah, I wish. Okay, we got to do the guess. Oh, yeah. Guess we, how old we I am. People, and how many kids she has. You got to guess that. Oh, we have kids, too? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> wow. Are like on Teen Mom or something? <laughs> no. 16 uh, and pregnant. How yeah. old are you? You're 26. Up. 28? Up. 47. <laughs> uh, you're I like the 32? Jump. Up. Wow. 35? Up. What are you, Benjamin Buttons? <laughs> <laughs> 37? I'm 37. Wow, you don't look 37. 37. Yeah. Now, how many kids does she have? Uh, well, you don't have one because you look a little too angry for that. Uh, <laughs> but too angry. You don't have, but you don't have three because you look like you're rested, so I would say two. More. Three? A lot more, more than that. What, you're Mexican, too? <laughs> <laughs> See, that would be some people would freak out about that. Not Mexicans, they'd be like, Only three? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) You're not really Mexican. Uh, I don't know. Four? More. Really? Well, Well, I have three biological ones. What is it, like a zipper down there? (laughs) (laughs) I know, I have like a Pez dispenser. Jesus. Just popping them out. Wow. (laughs) No, my husband and I were a blended family. Together we have 11 children. Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. You're like, it's goes, oh my God. Like, Octomom's like, you have too many kids. (laughs) Yeah. You have 11 kids? kids? I just look at her and go, bitch, please. So you had four, you had three of your own, he had eight of his own? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He has adult children, though, so, but we have six school age kids in the home. 
Wow. Mm-hmm. That's uh, well, damn. Eight kids. <laughs> well, he must have like uh, he must have a ridiculous sperm. <laughs> yes, he does. Ridiculous sperm. That'd be a good podcast. Ridiculous yeah, yeah. sperm. Wow. Is he, he like a superhero? Like, <laughs> He's got the, super sperm. The girl's getting like pregnant via dick pic. That's, I know. Uh, that's I, like, crazy. I tell him not to look at me a certain way because otherwise I'll get pregnant. Eleven kids. Wow. That's why he has like nineteen shows. Yes. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's yes. exactly why. Um, was it uh, the Groucho Marx thing? Was was that eleven children that woman had too? I can't remember, but yeah, I think it was a cigar, cigar thing. I take yeah. it out of my no. mouth once yeah, in a while. On, on, you bet your life with Groucho <laughs> Marx. He goes, "How many children do you have?" She goes, "I have eleven children." And he goes, "You know, I like my cigar too, but I take it out of my mouth once in a while." That's a great joke. It is a great joke. That's hilarious. See, that's one thing Adam, I, will, I will tell you. I've been a fan of, of stand-up comedians and stand-up in general since I was seven years old. Wow. I just, I, you know, I think it's, we got our very first television when I was seven. And I tuned in and went, man, like Alan King. Uh, you yeah. might not even know who that I know, is. Of course I know Alan oh, King. Yeah. Okay, I mean, he would come out. George Carlin would come out with short hair, dressed in a suit on mm-hmm. the Ed Sullivan show. Wow. Richard Pryor, too. Richard Pryor, too, came out. Yeah, Dangerfield's my favorite, though. Oh, my He's my God. all-time favorite. Oh, God, was he good. Rodney, and even on talk shows, when he wouldn't even pretend to listen to the question, no. and he would just go on a rant for like 13 <laughs> minutes, like, hey, so here you go. Let me tell you. And then it just it would take over, because that's... The, the funniest thing. I like. Let's not pretend he, this is an actual conversation. Let's just like right. he was the best. I well, got to start by him. So, Fraser Smith told me, you know, Fraser. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So he was telling me towards the end of Dangerfield's life, he was going to the open mics and trying out jokes, and he could barely walk. Oh. He had like a he had to have an escort to the stage. He got up and he was going like I don't know one mile an hour, and it was just really kind of sad. And it was like, right. but that weekend. Frazier was headlining in Vegas, or he was in Vegas, and he knew Dangerfield was next door. And he's like, I got this. This is going to be a disaster. Right. Like, how bad is this going to be? I, right. I, I wonder what's going to happen. And then he was rooting for him to fail, but he's like, what's going to happen? So he goes next door. They announced Rodney. He comes out with a suit, like, hey, let me tell you. Just and it was just, yeah, he murdered it. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. One of my just, favorite Rodney stories. You know Jeff Cesario? Yes. Jeff and I are old friends. I mean, he's, well, he's from Wisconsin. He's been around a long time. He comes in, he tells a story that he's, he's uh, in New York with uh, Jerry Seinfeld. And they're walking down the street by Dangerfields, and here comes Rodney the other way. <laughs> right? So Jerry Seinfeld says, Rodney, I want to introduce you to a new comedian in town. He's a great guy from the Midwest. His name is Jeff Cesario. And Rodney Dangerfield goes, Cesario, huh? Stick to the tumbling. <laughs> <laughs> you got to be an acrobat. You're Italian. Yeah, that's so. I, but that's funny. how funny that guy was. Yeah, he was like, he would show up in like a bathrobe with like, oh, yeah, yeah, to the comedy club in a limo with like three women smoking a joint. He just had that. He was the end of life. He had that that fun uncle vibe. To he him. did. Like, yeah, yeah, that's true. He's like, you can't wait for Rod, Uncle Rodney to come over for Christmas dinner. I agree. And he had some of the best jokes I've ever heard. Andy, what was the, the episode where Joan was on? Do you know? Do you happen to know the number? Uh, I can look it up. Don't, after Rodney died, Joan would come on the show once in a while. His wife would come on the show once in a while, and she calls one day. She goes, "Oh, I wanted to, I wanted to send you guys something." I said, "Yeah, what's that?" She goes, "I was going through Rodney's uh, suits and sport coats, and I found a bunch of jokes in one of the pockets that he never used." Oh my god! I said, "Oh my god!" And she goes. I'll just send them to you. I said, no, no, why don't you come on and tell them? 
And so she did. She came on the oh, show and really? told the jokes, Rodney Dangerfield jokes. She was hilarious. Uh, he, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah that he, whole story. Jackie Roy was his, his first name in comedy. That was number 296. 296. If you get a chance, yeah, uh, episode 296, she was phenomenal. And he was so good to young comics. Like, yeah, well, all the, the Dangerfield comedian specials that broke all those comics. They broke Dice and Hicks and the, all this one. It, it was like... He could have easily been about him, and it wasn't. Oh, yeah. Like he was funny, but he, but he let the others shine, you know. And he really wanted them to to shine. Even even Kinnison, he loved Kinnison. Uh, well, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Kinnison and Back to School was like that was one of the funniest things I've ever oh, seen. I know. <laughs> what did he say? The Vietnamese, the Viet Cong. <laughs> Settle down. Yeah. yeah say it. Say it. <laughs> <laughs> Best of the Tom Bernard Podcast. I pay him all right now, but last week I was in rough shape. I don't get a break with nothing. I played hide and seek when I was free. No respect, no respect. Why they wouldn't even look for me. That was Adam Hunter on The Best Of. Coming up next, we had author, best-selling author, I should say, Mark C. Perna, talking about how to get kids back in the game. Next on The Best Of. always alone. No respect, no respect. Halloween, I had a trick-or-treat over the phone. No respect, no respect. Friends don't call, my phone don't ring. I don't get a break with anything. What's the Mark C. Perna, ladies and gentlemen, answering why, unleashing passion, purpose, and performance in younger generations. Good luck to you, Mark. (laughs) (laughs) I gotta, I gotta run something by you, Mark, just to open it. Mostly, I want to sit back and listen to what you have to say. And I don't think it's it's millennials. I think it's everybody getting anybody to finish their work now or do their job in the first place is much harder than it used to be. Why is that? Well, because we got to get people to buy in, Tom. I mean, the, uh, the issue uh, for a lot of young people today is that they're, their impression of the workplace has changed from previous generations. Right. It's not necessarily a, it's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, what it is is, uh, you know, I, like, uh, for example, you know, Deloitte did a uh, survey of, uh, of young people in the workforce, and that's anyone 39 or younger in the workforce. Uh, it's about 18 months ago. And what they found was that 68% of them, uh, females, and 64% of males, plan to leave their current job in the next three years. Um, which is a cataclysmic shift, by the way, in workforce development, considering that these are the largest working generations in our country right now. But the number one reason given was what, what is very telling is that the number one reason given was that they no longer want to work in an organization where pursuit of the almighty dollar is the only outcome. They want to work in an organization that gives back. They want to work in an organization that has purpose. They want to work in an organization where the pride of their contribution will add to the greater good. And this is what business and industry will struggle with out there because you have to now connect to young people in a way with purpose and answering their why. Um, and it has to far exceed simply making money and shareholder value. 
See, that makes total sense to me, but can it be done? Yeah, but what are they looking for? Yeah, they what look- are they looking for? Yeah. It can. It, well, it can because you have, what you have to connect to is some kind of vision. What you have to, and I don't mean a vision of, you know, hey, we're going to take care of our clients. There has to be something bigger. An organization is going to have to consider for themselves that their workforce wants to do more than make money. <laughs> So that means giving back. That means, you know, doing something for the greater good within your communities, within your region, within the state, within a country. And so the more you can connect to some kind of purpose, even if it's contrib- even if it's charitable, even if it's, you know, working with some kind of a, you know, a local agency, there has to be something that connects to purpose in this organization. And I'll give you a great example. In my business, I've, you know, I've got uh, 23 people that support what I do across North America. Over half of them are in the group that we're talking about, and they're the best employees I have by far. I mean, they're the most focused, and they work nights and weekends and holidays and vacations, and I can't get them to shut off, but mostly because they are so focused on how we're going to transform education and workforce development in this country that they're all in. And any organization can achieve this. You just have to determine what is it that you do that that goes beyond simply making money. See, I think that's a, I mean, obviously that's the way, well, I assume that most people want to live their lives that way, but giving back. And, you know, Catherine, my wife is uh, is here. Hello. And we together have, you know, helped out tons and tons of people over the years and not talked a whole lot about that. So um, I, I wish we could get to the point the people would would help out and really not need any credit for it just kind of do it and you know that's the corporation you're working for let's just do it and then not parade around going look how wonderful we are because i think that people find that obnoxious you know you're so right on tom is that actually um you know all the data suggests now that you know that that the younger generations and generation y millennials and generation z coming up behind them actually find offense to people who do it in name only yep you know they they do it because exactly what you're talking about it's almost like man stop putting it in my face that you're doing really good stuff you know they want it to be genuine they want it to be you know kind of a real part of the culture not just part of the marketing campaign no it's um one thing i will tell you mark though last week uh, there's a place called the smile network up here in minnesota and they, um, you know, they do great work and all the rest of it. And several years ago, Catherine and I donated a bunch of wine to them. And it was kind of funny because for some reason, the woman, Kim, who runs it, announced how much she sold the wine for. And I thought, man, if I'd have known it was worth that much, I don't know if I'd have coughed <laughs> it up. Because <laughs> well, wine's well, one of those I things. Clear- Go ahead, sir. Tom, I clearly have to come up and spend way more time with you and Catherine. I mean, that's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But no, that's... The great part of that is I look back and, and, and when you buy wine, it's not really that expensive. But if you hold it for several years, it can get to be very expensive. And we didn't really pay any attention to that. We just uh, donated it. And the fact that all of that went to help people uh, smile network is uh they travel all over the world mostly in the western hemisphere but they travel all over the joint helping people with things like uh cleft palates things like that it's just uh it's really really great work so if that's yeah. what the wine went for and as a matter of fact i tell you there's one bottle that sold for eight thousand dollars and she said one of your bottles yeah but it i did Oh yeah! Oh, I'm t- Catherine. I'm just telling you. 
<laughs> we bought it, and I'm not making this up. We bought it for $175 several years ago, and it's and it, it, it sold for $8,000. But the great part of that, that is, and this is the part of what you're talking about, Mark, that I love, the woman who, who bid the highest on it, the $8,000, does not drink and and she was asked why she paid eight thousand dollars for that bottle of wine and she said so i could give it back and you could auction it off to someone else i mean that's the yeah. kind of generosity we're talking about she's that you and i love she's gifting an eight thousand dollar bottle of wine that is correct wow because she doesn't drink oh but she just wanted to <laughs> she wanted to do it and then wow. you know she didn't give her name i don't know who it was that did it but that's i just nice. think that's what you're talking about when giving that's the kind of giving we really like yeah, it's got to be genuine. It's got to be from the heart. Yep. It's got to be, you yep. know, there's got to be some, again, there's just that that great vision. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very fortunate. I've got a great team and, and they, they buy into where we're going together. You know, I, I, I'm a leader that never uses the word I, you know, even though I give 70 keynote speeches a year across, you know, North America, it's what we're doing together. It's how they help support everything that I do, everything I do to support what they're doing. And we're all on this mission to get, you know, and, and, and transform educational workforce development. So the more you can get young people to see that, because see, I go the other way with young people. Most mm -hmm. people out there think young people are this huge challenge to be solved. And I think say to groups all the time, you can't look at them like a challenge to be solved. You have to look at them as a tremendous resource to be unleashed within your organization, oh, that's good. your business, your, your classrooms. And if you look at them with those eyes and then understand what makes them tick, how they think, and then how you can connect and engage with them um, using some pretty easy strategies um, and understanding you know, kind of what they're looking for and what their priorities are, um, you can connect with anyone. Uh, you know, 39 and younger, and it's not, it's not such a mystery. And, I, you know, everything written about them is negatively slanted out there today. I go completely the other way. I think they're the most incredible generations to come down the pike. I think they're the most intelligent, resourceful, and pitbull-like generations that we've ever seen. When they see a want-to in their life, Tom, they will move heaven and earth to get there. Our challenge as parents, educators, and employers is getting them to want something. But once they want it, they're all in. And the key is how do you get them to want things? Yeah. They know they want beer. Apparently, <laughs> yeah, very true. Want beer? Well, hey, whatever hey, works. Hey, a right? lot of companies, smaller companies, mid-sized companies, they're they're having beer on Fridays. Cause mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, Dan. Yep, yep, that's worked out. Well, what it's do we have now in time? I think, it's kind Mark, of a motivator. I think here in Minneapolis-St. Paul, we now have about 75,000 independent breweries. Yeah, yes. they're everywhere. Yeah, they are everywhere. But I think they do. 75,000? That's wow. it. I think it's only 75,000. The land 000. of 10,000 breweries. But I, uh, I, all the ones, as long as we're talking about that, the small breweries, they do a lot of fundraising, uh, and they don't really, you know, hey, you need to know we're raising on. They do a lot of fundraising, yeah, and people don't of, even yeah, know about it. They do a lot of bike, to, you know, bike, yeah, bike races yeah, out of their true. breweries and distilleries. Yeah, that part is really terrific. See, that's great. You know, Mark, I think you you need to stay on tour and talk to people about this because I think a lot of people, because there, there's always a generational separation. Uh, I was raised by members of the greatest generation, which puts a lot of pressure on people because one guy I, I, I just saw, he's 92 years old, and they gave him a, uh, a high school diploma because he never graduated high school because he was drafted at 16 years old to fight in World War II. 
So, wow. so he said, it was the greatest. He goes, I just want you to know it only took me 76 years to get my high school diploma. <laughs> you know, that's a great thing. That's commitment. That is commitment, absolutely. So they gave him his high school diploma. He was very proud of it. He's 92 years old. Then, then our generation comes along, my generation and Catherine's generation, and we tried to figure out how we could maintain this. And, and it's well, our generation is basically when the hippie movement started and all that, and that's some of it good, some of it bad. Now we have the next generation, and that would be what Gen X, uh, millennials, millennials Gen and Gen Z. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep, Gen Z. It's a whole different situation, and they want different things. Um, it's it's pretty interesting how from generation to generation, and what you're saying to us, Mr. Perna, is that um, things are looking really good. This is a really good, solid generation. Oh, it's it's incredible. You but you have to know how to connect with them, and if you okay. you know if you can you know if you continue to look at them like they're like yourselves. And so these are the generational rifts that I, I speak about right. all the time is that, you know, older generations think the younger generations are missing the boat, but the younger generations think the older generations are missing the boat. Right. And everybody's pointing fingers at each other saying, well, they just don't understand. And the truth is you're right. They don't understand because everybody grew up in a different time. You know, I, I look at my, my youngest son who today is 30. And uh, so I grew up in the same generation as you guys. Right. Um, and so my son, who's 30, you know, where a lot of, you know, what I teach around the country and, and speak about and wrote in my book, uh, Answering Why, is um, he, he communicates very differently than me. And we have a wonderful relationship. I love him very much. He loves me very much. But we communicate differently. For example, when I write a text message, I will write a, I will write a text message like I write a letter. There will be a general salutation. Hi, Nick. There'll be some kind of something personal. I hope you're having a great day. Mm -hmm. Then there's like the body of the text, and then there's a close. It's like, have a great weekend. Love, Dad. I get back one letter from him. And I laugh every time because he doesn't apparent. I mean, I, I do seven, I'll do 70 keynote speeches this year. Um, you know, I, my, my book has won seven national book awards in the last eight weeks. Um, you know, it's a number one bestseller in all its categories. And, and yet he doesn't have the time to put the O in front of the cat. <laughs> and that's just, well. that's, Frosts me every time I see it, and I'm like, wow. I was like, I just had to come to the conclusion. It's just he, they communicate different. I can sit around and complain about it. Uh, more times now, I sit around and simply laugh about it. Uh, but you have to understand that this is just the way they communicate. It's the way they were brought up. It's the way communication is different with technology and resources today. And the more you accept that they simply are where they are, but then understand how do you unleash them within your organization or your home or your classroom or wherever. Um, that's when they will soar because well, that, they have it within them to soar better than previous generations. Yeah, but that seems to be a, the big challenge. I was just talking about this the other day with somebody, and we were talking about the fact that I, I feel like my children, who are you know thirty, thirty-two, that their phone skills—you <laughs> know—it's like you can't call them and get somebody to answer the phone first of all. And then the fact that they really never spent much time on the telephone, even when they're they had you know friends when they were younger, they were they would be texting or IMing or whatever. They weren't mm-hmm. they weren't actually speaking with their friends. I used to talk to Max for like six hours well, a day on the phone. But I know, but you still don't really love to talk on the phone now, do well, you? No, I don't like to talk. Yeah, on the I, phone, I mean, but... I would try to just get them to order a pizza so that they could just do that, and it was always a lot of pushback, and the fact that. I think our generation really values eye contact 
And it seems like that's another thing that you don't really get anymore. So it we the older generation feels like we have to connect in those ways, personal conversation, eye contact. And they feel like, well, how do you connect with somebody that won't do those things or doesn't feel like that's well, a priority? Yeah. In fact, I'll go a step further. I actually now, whenever I'm speaking with young people, so young people could be in their 20s, um, you know, late teens or mid-teens. And when I talk to young people today, I actually start walking them down. How do you create a competitive advantage in your life? And I teach them the simple traits that will work, which is all the things you're talking about right now, which is how do you make eye contact? How do you shake someone's hand? How do you stay present in a conversation? How do you, uh, you know, communicate, articulate, and do all these things that are, that are second nature sometimes to older generations, mm-hmm. but not so much to current gener- mm-hmm. younger generations. Yeah. And so I'm now speaking to young people about, you know, if I give you a great example, I was doing a keynote speech and I had, I don't know, 12, 1300 people in an audience. And I was, um, and sitting in the first two rows, they had um, these high school ambassadors from this, this really high performing district in Texas. And I'm in this performing arts center and I'm, I'm, I did a 90 minute keynote speech and I was about five minutes to the end. And I said, you know what? It's in my mind. I said, I am, I'm, I want to give something to these kids. And I, and I literally, I looked at them all and I said, how many of you sitting in these first two rows would like to have a competitive advantage in your life? Show of hands. And every single one of them raised their hands. I said, here it is. And here, I want you to remember this as long as you live. I said, if you do this, employers will, will beat a path to your door. If you do this, uh, teachers will talk to you, after you about you positively after you walk out of a room. And if you do this, you will change the way people interact with you. And they were sitting, they were ready. They were like, like, like this was going to be gold, right? And I looked at them and I said, do this. Show up five minutes early, stay five minutes late and care while you're there. If you do that, you will have a tremendous competitive advantage and you will never be at a loss of work. I think that's absolutely true. That's, that's very, very advice. good advice. Yeah. Really good advice. Mark C. And these per- kids, yeah, and these kids swarmed the stage afterwards. Nice. Well, that's because you're such a captivating figure. That's why. <laughs> Mark, well, thank you, Tom. Mark C. Perna, P-E-R-N-A, answering why, unleashing passion, purpose, and performance in younger generations. I love your take on it, Mark, and you're doing great work because you're the only one I know that's reaching out to people like this. I think that's wonderful. That's why your book's bestseller, no doubt. Yeah, Tom, thank you so much. A great pleasure. Best of the Tom Bernard Podcast. Mark C. Perna on the best of. Coming up next, closing out the show. We're opening up the vault. All the way back to when yours truly uh, went a little bit viral thanks to Mike Brody's video. Timberwolves related stuff, draft, it ties in. Next. On the best of. We, uh, we've decided we're going to do reality radio, uh, which means we're going to dramatize everything because there's not enough drama on television. They have to add drama. Yeah. So I just asked Mike Brody to punch Sid on his birthday. <laughs> he just said something racist against pygmies, too. I heard it. My head <laughs> flew right off my head. It was unbelievable. <laughs> it was amazing. So, I'm sitting at home, what day was it? The first day. Friday. 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 
Uh, I'm watching the Channel 9 News, and there's Mike Rasmussen on TV. And they're talking about this video going viral. So they do this long piece on it. It wasn't a short piece at all. It was a long piece showing the whole deal. And they talked about Mike Brody. And at first, I think they thought you were Mike Brody. I think a lot of people Mike Brody right <laughs> they now. They did. Because I've been booked everywhere right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just tell people you're Mike Brody. Yeah, just keep your all with it. Yeah. You can be like Gallagher, too. Yeah, Gallagher, too. Brody's act. And yeah. then it was on ESPN. It was on It was on everywhere, wasn't it? Sports Center. Sports Center, yeah. Uh, ESPN.com, SportsIllustrated.com, LA Times, USA Today, Chicago Tribune. Why do you think that it blew up the way it did? Well, I think the timing was good. My wife and I planned that for a while. We were actually going to put it out when the trade became official. Mm-hmm. But then uh, Adrian Woja, I can never say his name right, the, the guy, the, the guy, the tweet, the, the, yeah. the source guy came out and was like, handshake. it's a handshake deal. And we're like, oh, crap. So we hurried to just put it out. And maybe it was a slow news day. Maybe it's the off season. I don't know. But it just took off. And like I was at the airport going to New York for a festival. I got on the plane knowing that it was 160000 The guy next to me, he didn't have Wi-Fi on the plane, so the guy next to me is like, oh, what are you doing? Told him about the thing. He goes, oh, I'll have to check YouTube when uh, we land to see what it's at now. And he pulls up YouTube, and I go, oh, there there it is. And he goes, what, what, do, you, what do you mean? And I go, well, it's right there. And he goes, I didn't type in anything yet. And it, it was already the number one video on YouTube. That's so, unbelievable. <laughs> do you think it's because... Uh, the world has this impression of Minnesota because we've elected people like Michelle Bachman and Al Franken and Mark Dayton and Jesse Ventura that the world thinks we're nuts. I think they do, but in a weird way, it's kind of why I wanted to do it because we are nuts and maybe some of that's true. <laughs> well, but I also wanted to say that, you know, we're in on the joke too and we're smart people too and we yeah. can make something creative out of that, you know? I thought it was very good. It was very interesting. It was very funny. And the fact that Minnesotans didn't want to destroy it, uh, it's a good jersey. Don't destroy it. Oh yeah, I it actually just popped into my head. I just all of a sudden like, and I just immediately started working on it. Uh-huh. And my, you know, I started writing this stuff. My wife was just as much to do with it as I was, you know, with editing it and putting the direction in it and everything like that. But uh, don't tell anybody. But I bought the jersey at the Mall of America and then I returned it three days later. Because oh, <laughs> they they gave, to, wear it. they gave it to me half price and then I tried to return it. They're like, uh, you know, you can't return clearance. And I'm like, well, I go, <laughs> did, I go, I go. Did you know he's being traded? Tried to play dumb. So uh, that means, Alex, next time you go on the store, you'll have to pay more because of what he did. Exactly. Yeah, so it could be a shoplifter, basically. (laughs) It's like shoplifting. Victimless crime. And I got away with this. Victimless crime, yeah. (laughs) That's why everything we buy is $85 because shoplifting is such a victimless crime. But in any case, um,. I did kind of like the tribal dance around the jersey mm-hmm. when everybody was crying. Well, you said, can we pretend that it's burning? What did you say? Uh, to symbolically burn it. Pretend to burn it. Pretend yeah. to burn it. I told, everybody, I told everybody to act like they were Jimi Hendrix burning his guitar. Yeah, yep. to the, yeah doing that deal. <laughs> the hands up thing, yeah. That was at uh, Newport. Was it? No, not Newport. It was at... Uh, um, I don't know where the... Uh, it was at the Monterey, Monterey Music Festival. Oh, was it? Was I it? believe so. When Jimi Hendrix yeah. burned his guitar. You know... It's funny because a lot of the people, I've never, like, I don't know what you, term you would use before, directed, you know? So mm-hmm. basically yeah. what it was, I went to three different open mics. I went to, I wrote on Sunday, went to Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Acme, House of Comedy, and Joke Joint. And his comics were basically, like, I just grabbed you, like, hey, do you want to do this? People yeah. stand outside, you know? <laughs> and I grabbed a bunch of people. A lot of people didn't right. make the cut. Uh, but... Uh, <laughs> 
there were certain people that were better than others at acting, and I won't name names. Right. But there was one. There was actually one person who did good, Jen Shaw, but she just wasn't like doing it the way I wanted. It wasn't that she was doing it badly. She just wasn't doing right. it the way. She just right. wasn't quite hitting it. Yeah. And then I remember that she has a cat, and so I go. She was so the first person to say good luck, Kevin, and I go okay. Pretend that this is your cat, and your cat is leaving, and he's on a little boat, and he's going to come back. He's fine, but his name's Kevin. And you just want to make sure that he's okay. Kevin the cat. Yeah, and then she just like she's like, "Good luck, Kevin." Like it just like totally connected. <laughs> so you were sitting here. Actually, we we when it happened, we were doing a podcast, and every five minutes you would up. When I was on this, when I was on that, I mean, you were shocked. And every break, it was like, "Oh, now it's a." Sports Illustrated, like someone says to me that, like this. Oh, it's ESPN now. It's, Jesus Christ! It's still going. The Chicago Tribune thing was just uh, in the last twenty four hours. Uh, and oh, well, it, yeah. Funnier Die, yeah, Funnier Die. Just it was on Funnier Die. Yeah. Yeah, it's on the front page cool. right now. Yeah. That's very cool. Yeah, my face. Yeah. Thanks to Brody for picking. The, I don't know if you picked. Did you, did you pick that to be? Like I, the, I actually did. Don't tell Sydney. It actually originally was his face. Oh. <laughs> oh, <laughs> birthday it, boy. It went. I needed. I needed one with a jersey in it. Yeah. yeah. And they give you on, on YouTube. They give you like three thumbnails. It's the only choice you have oh yeah and so you just so happened that you were on there sniffing it yeah. and it was there that's you go perfect. that's the it worked out well yeah. what we were talking let's see so if somebody wants to look for it on youtube right now they just look for all i have to do is just google kevin love jersey burning or kevin love jersey It'll yeah just kevin love jersey Mike and it comes Brody. right up yeah, yeah. oh yeah there's Mike a, Brody yeah yeah and there's a couple imitation ones that was the funny thing to me people like trying <laughs> to like either like literally <sighs> one guy hates that well they, they re-upped them on their way or like one guy did like I'm gonna freeze his jersey like oh, okay well enjoy so your 200 hits uh, but uh, <laughs> is, oh is that, god what's him all cocky now oh, over yeah. here <laughs> <laughs> but no, I can enjoy your camera. But the favorite one, actually one I really enjoyed, was one that just took Kevin Love Jersey Burning High Def, and then you click on it, and it was just a cat humping another cat. <laughs> and I just laughed and laughed. Okay. <laughs> hey, whatever works, yeah. you know. Uh, whatever works. It, it It's interesting what people... I mean, word gets around just social media. I mean, is that how the word spread? You got to you got to watch this video because it's funny. Is it social media? I mean, I uploaded it on Thursday night just to have it ready, but I didn't tell anybody about it till Friday morning. So it basically, mm-hmm. it was sitting there with ten views in the morning, okay. you know. Okay. And then I I made a list of all the people I wanted to contact, and I just just cop it barbed. And, and basically, what happened was uh, on Twitter, I can never say his name right. He has like a Polish name, John. Kr- it's got a K. Krasinski. Yes. Sorry about that. Oh, John Krasinski. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I can never I, for some reason I can office. never pronounce it correctly. Yeah, he I uh, and he he retweeted it and put hilarious and that really oh he did I, oh, I, owe, I owe a lot it. to him. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah wow, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then and, and then just started going from there. And then it just it just like seriously, I actually swear to God, I thought my phone was going to break because it has a vibrate. It's like <laughs> like it had a prolonged like for like thirty seconds straight. It was just, you know, Krasinski wow. is the is the voice on E Trade, so you might be directing E Trade commercials. <laughs> I'd love that. You can get out there and direct don't, a few commercials. Don't tell him I couldn't pronounce his name though, Krasinski. Jim from the office. That yeah, Jim from the office. That's exactly right. So, Sid, tell me about your part because I've seen it, but uh, you have to tell the podcast audience about. I uh, I was the one that said leaving is the most Minnesotan thing Kevin Love can do. Yes, which was I'm not criticizing anyone here. I thought it was the best line in the thing. Well, Brody wrote all of it. Oh, then I didn't, then I didn't like it. Uh, I can't 
take any credit that for that. I didn't like it. You know, uh, to, to be fair, before you go on, there are a couple people that uh, improvise their lines. Uh, Sentil, uh, he improvised the. Uh, we have a men's basketball team. Oh, he just that made that up. Funny. Well, that was good. Um, you you improvised the like the smell and like it's Kevin, man. Like yeah. most of the lines I gave oh, you, but yeah, you, yeah. you improved that. He, he gave me the, the the symbolically the whole thing about it being a symbolic burning thing so right. to set the stage. Right. Set yeah. the, right. Smelling it though. Right, right. No, you it's did that. It's too weird to write. And that. then, um, oh shoot, Sentinel. I can't believe Sentinels. That was really. Oh, he funny. Killed, he had he had a, he had another line. But actually, yeah. I wrote this line. But he had one where I go. Uh, he goes, I only like opinions from white rappers. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the way he wow. did it, it was so perfect. But it didn't. It had. To, I had to cut out so many lines I liked because it had to be cohesive. Yeah. No, but some person listening in San Francisco is not going to know that we have a weird white white rap scene yeah. in yeah, Minnesota. That's true. Yeah. You know? It was atmosphere and yeah. Is that rap or hip hop? <laughs> That's the same. I don't know who the hell. I, Atmosphere who, POS. You know, all I know is every time somebody goes to a hip hop bar, they get shot at. That's all I know. Four hundred sound bar. How are they doing? How's that business going? Not the well. Hell's wrong. With Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. By the oh, way, no, yeah, what do you go, Sid? No interruption taken. The people were making no bets on if he was. <laughs> people were wondering if he was stoned. I wonder. Oh, I saw Guardians of the Galaxy earlier that day, and I was crying a lot. During the movie, and you're not stoned right now. I was crying earlier. We went to go see it again. Every day since then. That movie's great. I've been crying all day today, and I was crying. Well, it's your birthday, and you're so. so, uh, Let's get Mike from Blaine on the phone and see who can out high the other one. Yeah, that'd be a good contest. Yeah, it would be. Sid talking to Mike from Blaine. That would be a good conversation. Mike from Blaine. Sort of a liability forms or something first. For what? Just in case. Liability for what? Falls over and hurts themselves. No. In this contest. Alvin. That's a good point. That's the one. Alvin. I told Alvin. He was was reading my line. He was reading my line. I go, just say something. Just act how a Minnesotan would react to this. And he goes, well, maybe he'll come back like LeBron. So that was Alvin's And the way he looked away like like LeBron. Well, that's just how Alvin is. He he is just like that. (laughs) It's like, yeah. I just like, and I, I do agree with it, but it is very Minnesotan to leave. It is. The it's first min- line was like, uh, what was it? Bob Dylan it, got famous for moving away. Yeah. That was yeah. It. I've learned a lot through this process. A lot of the lines were really long, and then people would have a hard time remembering them, or they'd be clunky. And so mm-hmm. I learned mm-hmm. to just like... Cause it, yeah, the oh, original yeah. line was like, Bob Dylan didn't get famous till he moved away. Leaving is the most Minnesotan thing you can do. And then just... like He said it a couple times, and it was just mm-hmm. too clunky. And I went, mm-hmm. just say this. And then he did it, and then... Mm-hmm. It's a great line. Yeah. And it's true. It is funny. Like, yeah. It's so funny. Yeah. Oh, it's true. It's I like Minnesota, seen... oh, well, we don't really deserve We need stoplights on our freeways because yeah. we need to take turns yeah. getting on the freeway. <laughs> well, what the hell is that? It's, it's been interesting to see the news articles and to see which ones they feature. Almost every line in there had somebody go like, oh, that's my favorite line, yeah. which is crazy because yeah. when we were making it, it was a tough decision of which ones to pick. So it's right. kind of rewarding to be like, oh, I think we picked the right ones. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Like, everyone, like, you go through the comments, people liked, like different stuff went on. Yeah. Oh, peop- the weirdest thing is on the YouTube, people didn't get it. They thought it was real. They're like, yeah, everyone seemed really nice, except for that dickhead at the beginning <laughs> who was like looking for the angry man. So he's the only one who's angry. And they like they didn't even burn it right. They didn't even know what they were doing. And they, so they, they thought, thought it was real. real. People are really stupid. People on YouTube so are stupid. Gross. That doesn't happen yeah, right away, though. Like no. The first day, you get people be like, that's awesome, hilarious. Yeah. And then like second or third day, you get people like that. Like The fourth day, you get like, if it weren't for all these Nigerian terrorists, you're like, yeah. oh, yeah. You know, oh, yeah. like, okay, it's officially hit that. It's the only place they have a voice. What, yeah. One guy wrote... 
Mike Brody's desperate grab at fame. <laughs> what? They, then he wrote, he wrote too contrived. And I go look at his thing. He's like got this video like oh, 2012 Fourth of July with like 22 views. He's got like two videos. He's like, dude, this guy just goes around trolling stuff like oh, contrived. Well, not worth the view. I got a point to make to that guy. To write that. I would make a point to that guy. You had no idea it was going to go viral. Oh, no, no, no. So how could you desperate grab at fame? How the hell would you have <laughs> known? So I do a lot of desperate grabs, but not for fame. <laughs> not for that one. <laughs> no, not for fame. We thought for sure we'd be like, okay, you'll get like 30000 You'll get on some local TV or something like that. But no, I didn't know that would make... T- I think it's at... Two, it's somewhere between 2.3 million and 2.4 million Honest right now. to God. It's not like I've been updating myself regularly by looking at it or anything. You know what's really sad about that? <laughs> no big oh, deal. This asshole, last Friday, he wouldn't leave me alone with He was a little hyperactive. Well, you know, the thing that freaks me out is because Chris Knudsen and his wife made a teddy bear video yep. that went viral the week before. And so, like, nobody ever gets viral videos, but two people in Minneapolis almost yeah, a, a month and a month. Mo- yeah. And I actually, before I made my video, I told him, I go, that's amazing. You got 1.5. Five million, like you can tell your kids someday that you had a truly viral video, and that I swear to God, I'm not trying to be cocky, but like mine had a million more than that. Holy crap, that's yeah. crazy! Well, think about this: that your video got more downloads than most Rolling Stones videos. Wow. Well, it's true. Yeah. I mean, look, yeah. what is the average Rolling well, Stone video? Uh, they also have 900 of them, though. Yeah. yeah. Wow. <laughs> Brody's videos at 2.35. Okay. Million right now, and I'll find out the rolling. Brody's video. That's going to be you your want- new business. Brody's video. <laughs> Do you know what's weird? Everybody's like, "Did you monetize it? Did you monetize it?" They make it so damn confusing. Oh, oh yeah. And then they go, "It's not confusing." I seriously like on the play. I was freaking out trying to like hit monetize, but the thing is, you can't just hit monetize. You have to go to a different AdSense, yep. and then. So I don't even know what I'm. I could get nothing off of it, and that's fine. It's all about the exposure. I, I don't see you know. an ad on there until Sunday. Recently, yeah, yeah. Sunday. What was the ad for? Say, um, I don't remember. Vaping? Some car stuff. I saw no, Asian data. They, they don't have me targeted yet. <laughs> they you don't have you Zip targeted before? yet. Have you met Zip before? <laughs> it seems like you have. <laughs> now I kind of picking up Sid's deal. The Stones uh, are. Uh, they have various. You know, from nine hundred thousand up to like six million and some. Mm. But nine hundred thousand. Which one's nine hundred thousand? Nine hundred thousand one is. Uh, oh, it's a Prudential. It's a live one. So from Prudential Center. Oh, it's a live. Yeah. yeah, I don't like live videos either. I probably have more hits. It's a full than concert. A... That's why it's only. Oh. Two hours and twenty nine minutes. Let's put it this way: I have more views than a Mick Jagger solo video. There we go. I like that. Yeah. yeah. That's good. More, more views than any Cy Amundsen video ever. Oh, that's easy. I got that one. When I had, when I had 100 hits, I had more than that. Cy's not going to like that. It's his birthday, it's too. It's Cy's birthday, It's Cy's birthday today, oh, yeah, too. Birthday. What the hell Same is birthday. he? Is he in L.A.? Well, Probably. you know, I think we, he's, uh, yeah, he's in L.A. Sai, I actually showed this video to Sai before I put it out, and he had uh, he'd heard my suggestion. Uh, I was going to put Purple Rain in it, you know? And uh, he actually put Purple Rain in there for me to see it, and it looked great. But like Prince would have pulled that shit in like two thousand. Yeah. 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 Oh god, yeah. he's crazy. And somebody he's goes, very touchy. Somebody goes. Actually, somebody goes in. And I understand at the time they go, "Well, you so egotistical. You think Prince is going to see it?" But they would. Yeah. He would have oh, at that yeah. point. Oh, yeah. If gone. it went viral, it would be gone. Yeah. yeah. Any of his videos, are, you can't find any Prince songs or videos unless it's done by and someone it's else. Probably not even him. It's probably just a basement yeah. full of people with computers that are constantly. I'm sure that's probably. true. I'm sure that's true. Well, it's smart of him to do that because otherwise people would just bash the hell out of them and completely abuse the brand. I see both sides. I think also yeah, it's I a good suppose. way for kids to like retroactively get into his stuff, you know? I yeah. suppose. Yeah, I suppose that's true. It's a 
officially summer, and this episode is officially in the can on another rendition of the Best of the Tom Bernard Podcast, brought to you, as always, by Bradshaw and Bryant. Great clips this week from Adam Hunter, Mark C. Perna, Mike Brody, Sydney Oxborough, and yours truly, Mike Rasmussen. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we will see you next week. Bye.